We are back for one last episode this season of Dig City, a Purdue Volleyball broadcast as we wrap up the 2019 season in this season in review episode. I'm Daniel Gilman alongside head coach Dave Shondell as the Boilermakers reach the furthest they have in the last six seasons, the Sweet 16, and fall down in Waco to the number one seed Baylor Bears, who are dancing in the Final Four for the first time in their program history. So coach... Let's wrap up. First of all, this postseason kind of flew by the last two weekends <laughs> since we talked last. And, you know, it was, uh, I'm sure, filled with stress here at home. Everything had to go according to plan. The fans came and the team uh, played accordingly. Well, the postseason was really fairly successful. Uh, you hate to uh, lose your last match of the season, which we did uh, at Baylor against a really good uh, Baylor Bear team that went on to beat Washington in similar fashion uh, in the Elite Eight match. And they will play the Wisconsin Badgers uh, in the Final Four. And I think that will be a real good match. I talked to Kelly Sheffield last night briefly about uh, my thoughts of Baylor and congratulated him on uh, advancing to the Final Four. But I think those are two balanced teams that have physicality and are playing extremely well at, at the right time. But here... Um, we had a great sub-regional. Uh, I couldn't have been any more proud of the crowd that, that, that turned out. It was record crowds for us for hosting NCAA uh, first and second round. Our team played at a ter- terrific fashion. Um, the people that came, whether they were opposing teams or fans, whatever, they, they left feeling really good about um, Purdue and our ability to host, which is always good. And uh, it was just, it was a good finish to a, a tremendous season, and as I mentioned, you don't like to lose, but um, everybody except one team is going to you know finish the season in the tournament with a loss. Uh, everybody else is going to try to pick up the pieces and move on, and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, it's definitely tough to try to you know wrap your head around an entire ten week conference schedule plus the pre conference and then the postseason. We're just a few days removed from that Sweet 16 battle, but it, were there a couple things that, that stood out to you as storylines throughout the year that you were most impressed with? I just think this team coming together. You, know, you have only two seniors and two juniors and then a dozen freshmen and sophomores, and th- that's not necessarily a recipe for great success or camaraderie or whatever it might be, but yet um, through a lot of work and dedication and, and quite frankly, putting the right people together, um, we we had a tremendous year, and it was a fun year. And it doesn't mean everybody's happy 100% of the time. Everybody wants to play, and we have 16 people on a roster, so everybody wants to play. But, boy, they they played for each other, and the, the cohesion, I thought, was, was outstanding. And I, I you give credit at the top to Blake Moeller and Shivana Catino, who bow out with a really, really good season. And both of them just really competed and, and had terrific seasons themselves uh, to lead this way. And then you've got Newton and Otek, who were the two juniors that I, I thought had phenomenal breakout seasons. Both of them did two best seasons that they have had uh, before you get into Bush and some other people that uh, have been around a little bit that also had great seasons. But to me, this season primarily was about a group coming together um, for the cause and how well they they enjoyed each other and the fun that we had and going into practice every day and, and seeing a group of people that were there for all the right reasons. So that's where I would start. Yeah, big congratulations to Shivana and Blake finished up their finals mm-hmm. graduation this past weekend. And so now 
as we take a look, just a little bit of a peek at next year's team and a look and see how how bright the future is for your squad as, as JL Johnson played extremely well coming off the bench in this postseason. She'll be the only returning middle. And then it just feels like in every other position besides middle coach, you guys are just reloading and rebuilding. Well, I, I do think JL um, was very patient. And as I've referred to her before, as one of the finest teammates that I've ever coached, because uh, if you look up unselfish in the dictionary, there's a picture of JL uh, right there and um, just such a positive individual. And she waited and waited. And then um, with Shivana having some uh, nicks and bruises down the stretch and opened the door for JL to get a lot of playing time. And just like a year ago, she took full advantage of it and, and really played well and had big numbers for us. So she certainly will be a mainstay for us next year in that middle spot. And then the big decision we have, Daniel, is um, – what do we do with the other middle spot? And do we take Grace Cleveland, who has played left side, right side uh, already, and possibly move her back into the middle where she played most of her prep uh, career, um, or count on one of the three incoming freshman middles that we have to fill that void? And, of course, when you have a spring season, you, you have to play matches in the spring. You have to train during the spring. So there's an excellent chance that Grace will play a lot of middle during the spring we know what she can do on the right side and she was one of the premier opposite players in the league uh if not the country uh, and that's why you don't like to to move her again but sometimes you have to do what is best for the team and the possibility of, of taking her back into the middle and allowing someone like cook or chin um or one of the freshmen to go on the right side would uh might be our best avenue for success what are the pros and cons of a move like that where you take away some playing time at the right side for Grace, but obviously have her bolster up what would be a third position? And then, as you mentioned, just kind of opening up an opportunity for some of these incoming sophomores to play more. Well, fortunately for, for Grace, she adjusts really, really well. And this isn't like going to new territory. This is where she spent her entire career before she got here playing in the middle. And she plays some middle during practice doing some different things and it's not going to be hard for her it will be like going back home which they say you can't do but I think she she will probably beat that uh, um, moniker when she goes back into the middle if that is what she does but you've got um, Cook and Chen who both were were capable of starting on a Big Ten team this season and and they did at times Uh, Cook has some unique Uh, talents on the right side she hits the ball a ton she's a big physical blocker she may be as physical of a player as we've had since Anna Boom Boom Drury as far as coming in as a freshman she's just really really strong and hits the ball hard and puts up a wall as a blocker Um, and then you've got but Chin Chin can play both pins which gives her great flexibility Ellis can play both pins as well Um, so I really like those three I've said it all year long that we were fortunate to get those three as pin hitters to come to Purdue in the same class and they had to bite the bolt a little bit this year because with Newton in one spot and Cleveland in the other it only left one spot vacant and they all kind of fought for that one spot now the door opens up a little bit and uh, they'll have a whole spring to prove themselves again and none of the players that are coming in are what I consider pin hitters uh, Lourdes Myers out of out of Ohio is capable of playing on the right side uh, she's just a premier blocker and needs some development on her offensive skill set, but um, she's somebody that could also play right. So we're going to have some flexibility. Um, I've already been tinkering with 
possibility of lineups and how things could possibly work to, to give us some flexibility. So clearly as a coach, I'm, I'm already looking forward. I've turned the page, in other words, and we're, we're moving forward to next year. And so talking now about the 2020 sophomore class, this year's freshman class that we've really been raving about all season long. But before we dive deeply into them, I want to ask you a question that I had one or two people ask me about during the Baylor match. I had a text. What was the... Uh, the reasoning for bringing in Cook and then Chin for just one point in that first set was it to kind of mess with the, the server? Well, we we had no timeouts left, and uh, we had to do something to try to slow the momentum. And as I've mentioned several times to you and in, in our shows post match and uh, so forth, that as a coach you're limited to what you can really do. You can't take Newton out of the game. You can't take Cleveland out of the game. You can't take Moeller out of the game if she's in the front row. You can't take your setter out of the game. So there's only a certain amount of moves you can make. One of those has been JL for Shivana, and the other is the flexibility we have in that left side position. So we were in that uh, giving up points, uh, and, and Emma was uh, in the left side hitting position. So, uh, and we were we were done in that game anyway. It, it was. We, I'm just trying to delay. Uh, the, the, the game as long as possible. So I put Chin in, and uh, and they got a point off of a, a ball clipping off the net or something. It had nothing to do with Maddie not doing her job. And so then I put Ellis back in because it slows the game down when you make a substitution. You know, it takes some time for the official to enter her and then the scorekeeper to get it down. So it's just a method of trying to slow the, the game. And then they get another point, and I figure, well, let me go ahead and get Cook in because then both she and Chin at least – gone through the process of getting into the game and some of that nervousness can get out of your way. If we have to go to either one of them later, at least now they've been in the game. So that was the reason I went chin one and went back with Cook the other. It was just to say, okay, now both of them have, have gotten through that process and maybe if we go to them in, in down the, the, the stretch in game two, three, four, or what hopefully would have been a five-setter, um, they won't feel quite the nerves going into the game. That was kind of that, what that was all about. Perfect. Yeah, Aaron and I were discussing whether it was a gamesmanship move or there was some sort of decision-making to do there, but, you know, great answer there. So now let's let's talk about the freshmen. You know, we could start and basically go across the board on, on how they did this season. A lot mm. of playing time from Emma Ellis, Chin, Cook, and Maddie Skimmerhorn as well. Well, I thought Emma Ellis had a great NCAA tournament. I'm sure you've probably discussed that with John afterwards and, and throughout the matches that Emma um, rose to the occasion. There was no doubt about it, and she played more physical. I, I think she's a player that it can, can make great improvement between next year. I think finishing on such a positive note, I think it's going to be really, really uh, encouraging for her and motivating for her to, to go to the next level, which is where she needs to go. If we can establish somebody in that left side spot opposite Newton, to have two bombers out there that people are going to have to pay a tremendous amount of attention to, it will make, make a big difference. And so Emma probably has a leg up on that right now, but all it takes is somebody out player. And, and that, that leg up is gone. And, uh, you know, Chen, uh, Cook are, are two people that will certainly uh, fight for that opportunity. Uh, but either way, you don't get through uh, very many matches with just two left-side hitters. You, you know, that we need three. And so uh, Maddie Chen is a player that I was impressed with from the day she got here. She brings energy, enthusiasm, humor, um, Lots of different stories we could share about Maddie since she's been here. Uh, but she is a treat to have on the team. 
and uh, I thought made made great strides this season. Came in further along than we thought. She finished much further along than we expected, and uh, she's going to be a really good outside hitter in this league, whether it be on the left side or on the right side, because she also can do some other things. She can play some defense. She can bring positivity to the floor. Uh, she understands the game. It's it's, under, it's it's amazing how she can go from kind of being a goofball off the floor, but the minute she gets inside those lines or the minute she walks in the door for practice, it's it's it, it's just a amazing contrast and uh, so I have I have big hopes for her Maddie Cook is a real talent and uh, you know Maddie in my opinion probably hasn't played as much serious volleyball as some of the other kids have that have, have come from uh, you know clubs and, and maybe high school programs that um, uh, were, were different but uh, she can do some things with the volleyball that amazed me from day to day angles that she can hit with her arm the inside out shot the line shot the power she hits um you know she has newton type of strength and uh so you know we we certainly look forward to finding ways to get all those guys on the floor at the same time and it's one of the reasons i think that our coaching staff is excited about the future um maddie skimmerhorn is um a delight uh i think that um if she's one person that made it made a difference from an emotional standpoint on our team with that incoming class, it was Maddie Skimmerhorn. Uh, she is the ultimate teammate. She's positive. She brings energy, enthusiasm, always a smile on her face. And and quite frankly, you know, people think that well, you got two great defensive players in, in Horning and uh, Otech that are going to you know back, continue to battle it out for a libero position. I would I would put Skimmerhorn in the conversation. That's because if, if you look at her numbers as what she has done as a passer, uh, her passing numbers have been every bit as good. And uh, defensively, she's just solid. She's a great athlete. She's a stud athlete. And uh, she's just so much fun f- to watch. And I'm so excited about, uh, you know, that she was unheralded t- to some degree. You know, mid-majors were going after her. Nobody uh, in the Big Ten, you know, knew her name for the most part. It, it's a hard name to know, Skimmerhorn. It's tough to pronounce. But uh, she's she is absolutely a treat, and uh, I'm so excited to, to have her for three more years because she just makes makes it more fun for everybody. And then, uh, of course, Ava Torrance, you know, played sparingly, um, but she gave us everything that she promised she would when she told me she wanted to come to Purdue, uh, brought uh, energy to practice as, as another tr- tremendous teammate. And I think this spring will be significant for her as she gets stronger and, and, and develops into her role. And of course, uh, Meg Renner was a red shirt uh, this fall. That red shirt has been lifted because now she becomes just a regular person. So in the spring, she can play in the competition that we have. So I know that she's excited uh, about the fact that that whatever five-month period is going to be over where she wasn't allowed to play, could practice. Uh, but nobody nobody since I've been here has handled being a red shirt any better than Meg Renner. I mean, she accepted it. She, she knew she had to be patient. She was always here for the team. Uh, she would come in and, and focus on what the setter from the other teams were doing so she could be better at representing the opponents on the floor during practice. Um, she is really going to be a tremendous player. Uh, at, at Purdue. So um, as you mentioned, there's a lot of optimism for where we're going with, with this program. And we've had two back-to-back <clears throat> recruiting classes that have not only brought in size, talent, physicality, but high character young people. And, uh, and then we've got another group coming in that, that it's going to do more of the same. 
So you tease, obviously, the left side battle for number two. You know, you, you mentioned <clears throat> maybe a, a potential that it could be up in the air for Libero. Talk to me about, you know, what kind of battle we have ahead of us and how it can help both of these setters coming in the next, you know, six, seven months. Well, you know, Meg has a lot to learn, Renner, not to mention Joy Chen. And if, if I was to say who our most improved player was from last year to this year, it would be Joy Chen, uh, our sophomore setter that, you know, people don't see a lot because Haley Bush runs the show. And in our league, you don't get many opportunities to uh, provide playing time just for fun. It just doesn't happen when you're competing for, you know, in the Big Ten and trying to qualify for an NCAA tournament. So, uh, but Joy Chen has been phenomenal. Joy Chen is a terrific setter. Uh, the issue with Joy Chen is she may, may gra- have her undergraduate done by the end of this spring. And uh, if, if Joy stays and goes to graduate school at Purdue, then we'll maintain her on our roster. But if she opts to go somewhere else for grad school, which is what she's going to do is go to grad school we just don't know where and so she's kind of a, a question mark uh, as far as w- w- what her future holds here but um, love Joy Chen uh, a lot and she was really really good so you know as of right now we got three setters in that um, that question mark but certainly Bush uh, made a statement this year with the way she played and led this team but Meg Renner is talented and Meg Renner is about six one and a half and is a good blocker and so it gives you what it does it gives you flexibility uh we didn't have the flexibility because we opted a red shirt Renner this year so there were some nights where we didn't block as well in that right front position when Haley was up there she improved as a setter she worked her tail off to become better as a blocker I mean as a like I said as a setter I mean as a blocker she improved um but her her, her play as a setter and a floor general uh, I'm not sure there was anybody in our league that was was any better in that role. And so Meg is going to have to really uh, work hard to become that kind of a player. But that's her strength. Her strength is leading in a cool, calm, collect manner. And uh, and she is really good around the net, both blocking and uh, throwing the ball around offensively. So she will give us a look that we we haven't had for a couple years since Ashley Evans was on board. Speaking hypothetically here, and I know it depends on the situation, are you – more in favor of, of running a 6-2 offense or a modified 5-1 where the taller setter plays front row? Well, it just depends on how much flexibility you have substitution-wise. If you go to a straight 6-2 where you've got uh, three hitters always in the front row and you bring your setters into the back row, then um, it eats up two subs every time you go through six rotations. This, If, if you would go with a modified 5-1 and you would play Bush in the back row and Renner in the front row, which is this is just you coming up with possibilities. Right. Uh, that eats up one substitution uh, every six rotations. So um, it allows you to have more flexibility in other positions, which we had this year because Bush stayed in the game the whole time. So we didn't use up any substitutions in the setting position. So we had that flexibility to go for some other other players, including a serving sub uh, twice a a match for Blake Muller. Now, the positive would be if you you take um, Grace Cleveland and move her to the middle hitting position, you don't need to make a substitution for a server in the middle position. So that saves you a little bit of space there. Or one of your servers develops. I think even J.L. Johnson would be more than capable of serving for us uh, if if she knew that that was something that she had to work on uh, to be ready for the upcoming season. But Right now, it's just fun to look at the possibilities, and that's kind of what I think we're trying to do here. We're not trying to put the fear of God into anybody that you know they better do this or that um, or what might happen. It's just 
it's a new season and everybody has to to kind of reboot and, and be ready but that's the beauty of the spring when you've got competition for spots and you've got a lot of talent you want them to come in and and, and have their their, their goals set and understand what it's going to take for them to get there but it, it will be a, a fun spring and, and one in which we'll try to schedule some good competition because we feel like we'll be able to compete uh, at a high level during the spring you know last year we played illinois twice which was really good for us and wisconsin and uh, hopefully we can manufacture a similar schedule for our fans to come out uh, and watch whether it's here or on the road to see us, us play some of the better teams within driving distance can you think of any of those fun stories with with Matty Chen? One or two of them that are uh, willing to be talked about over the air. Uh, you know, Chen just has she has a hard time with directions, and uh, uh, I think her, her first day here she got lost twice getting to classes, which is understandable. But uh, when it continues to to go on, uh, it, it it makes it even more uh, humorous. But uh, I know she had lost something the other day last day of the season I think she was was confused because she had lost a little something but um she she is absolutely um an entertainer and a beautiful kid with with tremendous talent and uh brings a lot to our team which you know this this wasn't as enjoyable of a team as I've had in a long time I've made that really really clear that's because of personalities but really it's because of the devotion that they had to being a great team and not worrying about themselves. And in today's world of college athletics, anybody that's been paying attention knows how difficult it is to find players that want the team to win first. And it is not, it is not all about them. And, and I thought this year that um, it worked out really well. We did some things behind the scenes, I think, that may have enhanced that. But overall, it's, we had great people. We had high-quality individuals on this team, and that, thus we became you know, a high-character team. I'm going to ask you a tough question now. You have to pick one or two match that was matches or match that was the most memorable this season for you. Well, certainly the the win at Kentucky early was was gigantic. It, it made a statement that uh, we could go on the road and uh, a young team could beat somebody that was uh, a, at that time certainly a premier team. They they went to the Sweet 16. They were playing the match after us down there at, at Baylor they lost to Washington but they had a lot of weapons that came back from a team that was really good the year before and had beaten us uh, in the, in the NCAA tournament and ended our season so that was that was a great win I think the win here against Nebraska uh, was also substantial for uh, securing us a spot at hosting in the NCAA tournament I thought the win at Michigan was was really really big because that could have gone the other way we had just played them uh, and and that's a thing that scheduling you know as I mentioned I don't mind that but I think it it certainly favors a split when you when, when two teams play uh, twice within a four day period it favors a split no, no matter how good or how bad the teams are uh, it's just hard to sweep uh, in the Big Ten when you play somebody uh, those times twice in, in four days. So I was really pleased that we bounced back and were able to win both of those um, there. And then I think the other one would be beating Marquette here, a team that had been ranked in the top ten a good part of the season and had expected to host. And then uh, the NCAA committee uh, gave us the benefit of that doubt, and it would have been easy for us to not – follow through with uh, what the, the seating was. But uh, after a tough first game, we came back and dominated, uh, I thought, that match, uh, which was fun. And that got us into the Sweet 16, which we had not been for been there for a while. 
So I'm sure I'm forgetting some really, really big matches there as well. But those are, you know, going to Indiana without Newton playing and, yeah. a, and a banged up Blake Moeller and starting two freshmen in the outside hitting position, which is a, a key position to be able to be successful in this league and to, to gut out a five-set match on the road when they open up, you know, their, their facility against uh, Purdue. So, um you know, those those were some, but uh, that's fine. I, yeah, I had a feeling it would go four or five. So yeah, it's it just you know, there's a, I mean, every win in our league is really significant. It really is, and so um, and we and we won, I think, six five set matches in the Big Ten, and I don't think we lost any. So okay. we were undefeated in five game matches in league play. The only one we lost was a real miserable. Uh, feeling that we had when we got beat at Notre Dame early in the season. But I think uh, Notre Dame played well, and Notre Dame was an NCAA tournament team as well. But uh, overall, just a, a season, 14-6 and six in the Big Ten. That's the, the most wins we've had in Big Ten play since um, Ariel Turner's team that went 16-4 and four, uh, and finished second in the Big Ten. So that, that was a pretty good year. Now we'll go into this uh, fifth set with Shondell, and it's time for you to put on your, uh, your Lee Corso head. And, uh, and make a couple picks well, for Lee, us. Lee Corso wears a lot of different heads, yeah. if I remember right, because that's he's always, saying. okay, that's what I got to do. So, yeah, let's get a couple final <laughs> oh, four Oh, I picks. see where you're going. There we go. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I'm pretty familiar with most of those teams. The only team that we haven't played is Stanford. And uh, and they probably have the most experienced and talent on the team. I think Stanford's going to play Minnesota um, in the second match, the first match is going to be Baylor against uh, Bucky Badger. Uh, I think the first one with Baylor and Wisconsin is going to be a, a real war. Uh, they're, they're similar teams. I, I, I do think Wisconsin has more skill and talent. Um, <clears throat> great setter. Both of them had, have really good setters. Um, uh, Recky is kind of in a league by herself as far as a middle, but then you've got uh, Yasi Presley, who uh, I thought we we did a nice job with, but she bounced back against Baylor and put on a show in the nightcap uh, to get them into the uh, Final Four. <clears throat> Man, that's a tough one against Wisconsin. I mean, against yeah, Washington. Against Washington, me. yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Wisconsin. Um, I think I think they've been there before, and they have a little more experience. I think both their left sides, Loberg and Haggerty, are both playing at a really solid level. And I think the X factor has always been Duello. I mean, she's somebody that doesn't get mentioned a lot, but she's got a great arm. They do a lot of unique things with her to get her the ball. She puts up a decent block. She's a tough competitor. Um, and then the, the floor game of Wisconsin has been off the chart with the two transfers that have come in, have, have changed the way that they play and have given them a, a huge lift over the last couple of seasons. And uh, so so Clark, and help me out with the kid from Barnes. Minnesota, Barnes, Clark and Barnes, number one. Um, they they make a big difference, and so I'm gonna give them a slight edge. But that that could really be a five gamer because I was really impressed with Baylor. Baylor was better than I think um, that I anticipated against us. They had they had way more offense coming from different angles than what we had seen in the eight matches prior on videotape. And it's it's like anything else, you know, when you don't see somebody live, you don't know what you're getting into. 
And we had not seen Baylor live. We had seen them on tape a lot, but we had not seen them live. And when they came on live and uh, Vandermark uh, was just bombing balls from everywhere and every different angle possible. And then Gia Milana, who we had tried to lean away from a little bit, made us pay for that. And those are just things that, you know, you can't anticipate till they happen and you've got to make adjustments. And uh, there's just a lot going on in the minds of players at that point in time. But I'll give, I'll give the Badgers a slight edge in a five-gamer. Yeah, they, they did play in pre-conference in Madison with no Duello, and Presley yeah. had 31 kills. Yeah. So that's going to be a well And, and I, I, don't, I don't think that Wisconsin will let that happen again. Uh, I think the first thing I would do is make sure I've got uh, Retke matched up with uh, uh, Presley. And maybe they did last time. I, you know, I, I don't not familiar with that first match. It was a long, long time ago. But um, that would be the first thing I would do because really – that favors Wisconsin because you can get uh, Recky in front of um, Yasi blocking wise, but you can't necessarily get Presley in front of um, Recky blocking wise uh, unless she's going to run the slide every time. So um, that that'd be one angle. Then the second the second match, you know, I think people are, are are not giving Minnesota a lot of credit because of the upset that occurred in in uh, Austin when Louisville beat Texas, and so Minnesota ends up. Uh, beating a good Florida team uh, in the first match, but then they play Louisville that had pretty much had their day in the sun, it appeared, in that match. And Minnesota, I thought, uh, you know, pranced through that pretty easily uh, against the Cardinal, uh, who it did pull the one upset over um, Texas to, to get to the Elite Eight. Um, but Minnesota, again, is a tournament-tough team. Uh, they bounced back last year if they lost that uh, – I think Sweet 16 match was a Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. Yeah, Sweet 16 to Oregon. To Oregon, and so credit Hugh and his his squad for getting back to the the Final Four. Um, I I just don't think they've got enough to stop Stanford after the the Stanford team I saw um, put it to Penn State because I think Penn State was playing pretty well at the end of the season and and you know Penn State had an opportunity to win the first set which may have changed the complexion a little bit uh, on Saturday night but it, it was all over after that and uh, um, Plummer is was really really good um, they've got a great I mean they, they've got they may have the best setter uh, libero outside hitting combo in the country with those three and then you're not even mentioning Fitzmorris who who is really good and then they they got a, a young kid out of, out of Austin Texas that's pretty good in one middle spot Campbell and then the other uh, middle is the transfer uh, from UCLA you pick up UCLA's pl- yep. best player during the offseason it's not, not a bad pickup so uh, like Stanford needed some help uh, anyway it's uh, um, that I, I gotta go with Stanford probably over Minnesota. I hate to go against the our Big Ten brethren, but I think that uh, Stanford just looks like on paper and from what I saw Saturday night to have a little more firepower. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Presley against Retke, and then Samity against Plummer, and then any of the four outcomes would lead to you know a phenomenal firepower championship. Whether it's Retke against Plummer or you know the Big Ten battle or Presley in her first championship ever against Plummer or Samity. So really looking forward to it. Enjoy your weekend out in Pittsburgh, Coach. It was uh, it's great covering you guys this season and uh, a lot of fun jumping on this uh, this microphone with you. Thinking back to that July day over yeah. on the uh, on the on, on the, the deck on the deck. Yeah, you know, we over talked looking about Lake Freeman, but uh, no, it was a, it was a great idea that we that we came up with, and I think that we provided some insight to college volleyball, certainly Purdue volleyball, without alienating too many people because it's really important that you understand we have great respect for everybody that we play 
and uh, we feel blessed to be in a position to to be at Purdue, and, and you've done another great job in your second year. Um, so many people have, and I hate to tell you this because I, I, I seldom do, but people really do enjoy listening to your, your play-by-play, and you've done a great job for us. And, um, you know, we do think that next year um, we have the opportunity to, to have even a better team. Um, but that's a lot of hard work and a lot of commitment and a lot of sacrifices are going to have to be made uh, for us to get to that point. And more importantly, the team is going to have to come together similar to the way that this one did this year for us to get to that point. But the other thing I'll say before I get off, because I know you're anxious, people thought the Big Ten was pretty good this year. We did have four teams in the Elite Eight, five in the Sweet 16. We're graduating very few people in the Big Ten. And, and people are going to say, well, Purdue, you guys should you guys should really compete in for the championship next year well because we only you know we, we don't lose a lot nobody's losing much i mean nebraska's not losing anybody Get another year retke retke uh, they just lose two players clark and duello uh, as far as key people they lose dodge as well uh penn state's got most of their people back they lose the best libero that the big 10 has seen in a long time in white and uh they lose uh oh, Gurrell from from canada who had a really good season for them minnesota yeah, they lose uh, a middle and a left side who have had really good careers there, but they have everybody else back. I think the setter is also graduating, the transfer from UCLA, but they've got uh, the best setter in the country coming in, a kid out of Newcastle, Indiana, that's going to make a difference for them. And then you look at, at teams like and Michigan's going to be good. Illinois is going to be good. Ohio State is Don't loaded. mention Ohio State, who's had back-to-back top five recruiting classes coming in. And Michigan State and Northwestern didn't play a, hardly play a senior. And they had good teams. It, it will be next year will be the premier year ever in Big Ten volleyball. So you, you better get your tickets early, no matter where you're at, because it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun, and you better hang on tight. There we go. The perfect way to finish off our final podcast episode of 2019. Thanks so much for everyone who has, you know, tweeted us, commented, texted in, and just listened throughout until 2020. He's Dave Chandel. I'm Daniel Gilman, and this is Dig City, a Purdue Volleyball Podcast.